This episode of the 501st cast is dedicated to Jennifer Sedor, TI-9394 from the New England Garrison, who finished her battle with cancer in April at the age of 37. This episode is also dedicated to 501st honorary member and stuntman Lightning Bear, who passed away June 11th. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned for global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate more than a decade of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. And welcome back to the long-awaited episode 65 of the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Vader's Fists. We're finally back. This episode is for June 20th, 2011, and I am your host, Joe, TK6064. This is Nikki, DZ8397. And I'm Eric, TI6124. The 501st Legion is currently at 5,313 members with 8,492 approved costumes in the Legion. In this episode, we'll catch you up to date on some of the mission reports over the past few months, announce some new squads and honorary members, hear Albin on the BBC, and head to Legoland and Star Tours. Stay tuned. Recent news. The 501st Legion is happy to announce that three new squad-level units have been formed this past April. For those that aren't familiar, garrisons can create squads within their units where somewhat isolated groups of members tend to operate together regularly. The three squads are Oklahoma Squad, which is part of Star Garrison and operates in Oklahoma. Outlander Squad is part of Georgia Garrison. And Thylacine Squad will operate in Australia's island state of Tasmania as part of the Terra Australis Garrison. So welcome to these new squads. Jacob, TK6283 from Terra Australis Garrison, is embarking on an ambitious endeavor this July. He's challenged himself to walk from Perth, Western Australia, to Sydney, New South Wales, in Stormtrooper armor. He's doing this to raise awareness and funds for the Starlight Foundation. Over the course of the trek, he'll cross four states and cover approximately 5,000 kilometers in modified Stormtrooper armor. He also plans to push a lightweight buggy with needed supplies. He'll average a distance of 35 to 40 kilometers for five days a week until the trek is complete. He's no stranger to long walks in armor, though. In October of 2010, Jacob participated in the Run Melb Half Marathon of 21 kilometers in an unmodified Stormtrooper suit. At this stage, he needs everyone's help in gaining media attention to his cause, and will be posting the links to his Facebook and Twitter sites, as well as his donation page on the 501st Cast page. I'm sure we'll be reporting in on Jacob's trek again on the next episode of the 501st Cast. For those that may have missed it, we released a minicast featuring messages from some of the new and returning Legion Council members who began their terms this past March 1st, 2011. You can go check it out at www.501st.com slash podcast. Well, to the surprise of many members of the 501st Legion, Mythbusters Build Team member Grant Imahara had never been inducted into the 501st Legion like his teammates Carrie and Tori were. Well, that oversight was corrected at this year's WonderCon with the help of Lucasfilm's Bonnie Burton. 
Although many know Grant from Mythbusters, he has also worked on the Star Wars movies as a model maker, R2 builder, played C-3PO, and performed special effects. So on Saturday, April 2nd, Bonnie tricked Grant into walking down the hallway into an ambush of 501st Troopers. Grant, who was dressed up as Doctor Who at the time, was very surprised and happy to accept his honorary membership. Thanks to all the Southern California and Golden Gate Garrison members who helped with the induction. We'll have a link to some pictures from the induction from Bonnie Burton in our show notes, as well as some links to video. We've had at least two new inductees to our honorary member slash friend of the Legion program recently. Bob Canning was made a friend of the Legion on May 21st at the first Star Wars weekend's dinner. Bob is a resident of Rancho Obi-Wan. You can check out some nice photos and a note about the presentation on Steve Sansweet's Facebook page. Jeff Carlisle was made an honorary member at Marcon in Ohio over Memorial Day weekend. Jeff is a Star Wars artist who has had his drawing published in Star Wars Gamer magazine as well as designs for the Star Wars minis game and some of the illustrations in the Jedi Path book by Daniel Wallace. Welcome to the 501st, gentlemen. We wanted to draw attention to a few firsts in the Legion that have happened in the past few months. First, back in April, we had the first Legion member in Slovakia. We should be seeing an outpost forming there soon. Welcome to the 501st Giraj, IC7663. Second, also back in April, we had our first Clone Wars ARC Trooper join the Legion. Zach from Florida Garrison recreated Havoc from the Season 3 opening episodes. And third, we've recently had the first Rav Brailler accepted into the Legion. Rav Brailler is the female Mandalorian warrior that has appeared in the Republic Commando novels as well as other places. Congratulations to Christy, BH2257 from Garrison Karita for being the first in the Legion. Back on April 9th, Garrison Karita proudly announced the first 501st Legion-sponsored Little League team and wishes to thank Lucasfilm for the opportunity to do so. We'll have a link to a picture from the day in our show notes where you can see their style in navy jerseys with white Garrison Karita logos on the back. This might be old news for some, but we still thought it worth the mention. The 84-minute Star Warriors documentary, which features the 501st during the 2007 Tournament of Roses parade, will be included on the Blu-ray version of Star Wars coming out this fall. Here's the tagline from IGN. Star Warriors. Some Star Wars fans want to collect action figures. These fans want to be action figures. A tribute to the 501st Legion, a global organization of Star Wars costume enthusiasts, this insightful documentary shows how the Super Fan Club promotes interest in the films through charity and volunteer work at fundraisers and high-profile special events around the world. So for those of you that didn't get to see this when it played at Celebration Japan, start saving up your pennies for the Blu-ray set and a player if you haven't made the jump already. In thanks to Southern California Garrison's Inland Empire Squad for their support of the Paul Biani Library at Victoria Gardens in Rancho Cucamonga, California, the squad was given a memorial stone in front of the library. Inland Empire has gone to several fundraising events at the library over the past years and have participated in reading programs and all sorts of fun with the library. We'll even have a link to the picture of the brick in our show notes. Thanks to Leslie, TR3774, for the heads up about this. ChinaUnderground.com had a great photo article featuring members of the 501st Legion's Hong Kong Shadow Outpost, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes so you can check it out and see what the 501st has been up to in Hong Kong. Back in the beginning of April, Legion founder Albin Johnson was in one of the featured interviews on Outlook, the BBC World Services podcast, which features extraordinary personal stories from around the world, hosted by Matthew Bannister. 
Although it's a tad lengthy, we're going to play the interview for you now as the content expired off the BBC's site at this point. Well, this is Outlook from the BBC World Service. I'm Matthew Bannister. Coming later in the programme, the man who lost his leg in a car accident but responded by starting to dress up as a Star Wars stormtrooper. I'm not joking. That's what's coming up later. Now, there are many ways to react to losing a leg in a car accident, but surely one of the most unusual ones is to start dressing up as a stormtrooper, one of the white, armour-clad soldiers that defend Darth Vader in the film Star Wars. Well, that's exactly what Albin Johnson from South Carolina in the USA did. And what started as a way of cheering himself up after his injury has now become a worldwide phenomenon. He's the leader of the 501st Legion, otherwise known as Vader's Fist, an organisation which now has more than 5,000 members around the world. The one thing they all have in common is that they enjoy dressing up as stormtroopers and they use their costumes to raise money for charity. When I spoke to him from South Carolina, I asked Albin how the accident which started his journey had happened. I was driving home from uh, meeting my wife for lunch, and it had been raining uh, in a summer, very warm summer in July. So the pavement had gotten very slick on the road, and uh, at one point there was a traffic jam. I applied the brakes and tapped the gentleman in front of me. So we pulled off to the side of the road and inspected the damage. And no sooner had I stepped between the cars to close the hood of my car than another car slid off the shoulder of the road, uh, impacting mine and pinning me between the two cars and cutting off uh, a lot of what was beneath the knees. Uh, So my left leg was severed immediately and the right leg uh, torn up pretty bad. So you had to go through some pretty painful and difficult treatment, presumably. Yeah, it was a six-week process just getting out of the hospital, but it was a year-long process trying to save the leg. We had uh, 17 different operations, bone grafts, muscle grafts, different parts of the body rearranged to try and save the leg. But uh, it was, in the end, it was uh, more expedient to just remove that part of the body and, and, and trust technology. But it was kind of a, a soul-searching period there. Uh, where I no longer had the use of my legs. I was limited to a wheelchair, shut into the house 24-7, and uh, not really sure where the future was going to be. Uh, and did you eventually get a prosthetic leg fitted? That's right. Yeah, after a year, you know, I came to peace with the idea of uh, going with the prosthesis. Now, how does Star Wars come into the story then? It was a matter of timing, honestly. Uh, in 97... Uh, the accident was in uh, 94 and the amputation in 95. In 97, I was just trying to return to work and normal society in the world. And they announced that they were going to be re-releasing the uh, original trilogy with uh, updated special effects. And suddenly, everybody was very much uh, back in the vibe of the Star Wars feeling. It had been sleeping for over a decade. and So when it came back, I was kind of surprised at just how important it was to me. So it did kind of... Uh, coincide with the time that I was struggling with where I wanted to go, and it was nice to have an old friend, uh, an old source of inspiration, if you will, come back. And But what m- made you decide to dress up as a stormtrooper? <laughs> well, uh, a friend of mine who, who I worked with uh, was really trying to help me get back to work and find things that were exciting for me. <laughs> um, but he, he and I got to talking about Star Wars. We were very excited about the movies. He invited me to come out to see the movies with him, and the first thing we thought of was, uh, you know, 
the coolest character we thought of were the stormtroopers. To us, they were just always sort of the football players, the rock stars of the of the movie. To us, they were just you know any boy would think the soldiers are cool. But these are the uh, guys who dress in the in the white helmets and the white uh, uniforms, yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're all armored. You can imagine almost a knight in shining armor, but in space. You got to remember too that the third leg of this puzzle is that the internet was forming, uh, finally coalescing in '97, and so the first thing we did was go out on this uh, fledgling internet and try and find one of these costumes. And sure enough, we found a props dealer uh, out in California, paid an obscene amount of money for these uh, suits of armor. How much did you pay for them? I paid uh, two thousand dollars for just the basic suit, not the shoes, the gloves, the undersuit. Or the blaster or anything like that. Wow, so you had to pay and, more uh, for those. Yeah, it uh, it got to be the uh, price of a small used car, actually, <laughs> after <Right>. a while. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was all so that we could have it in time for the release of, the re-release of the original trilogy. Well, Albin was so impressed with the reaction he got to the armour that he went to the cinema again, dressed as a stormtrooper, this time with a friend. They began to dress up regularly and post pictures of themselves on the internet. Soon they started receiving pictures from fellow costumers from around the world, and the idea for an international group of stormtroopers took shape in Albin's mind. He told me how he came up with the name for his legion. I just decided on the Fighting 501st because it was very alliterative, it sounded very bold, and then I took it one step further and thought, you know, when you see Vader in the movies, he's always turning in the middle of the action, pointing to a, a set of stormtroopers or other troopers and saying, come with me. Well, who are these guys? Maybe we could be those guys. How interesting would it be to insert ourselves retroactively as some special unit that only answers to Vader? And people just went nuts over that. They thought that was great. You called so yourselves we, Vader's Fist. That's right, yeah. So we thought Vader's Fist, that'd be something the troops call themselves, and you know, Vader could care less, but it's, what, it's the point of pride we have in serving probably the coolest villain of all time, and we're his personal soldiers. And uh, never underestimate the power of a good story idea. It, right. it really fueled people's Star Wars fandom. And how far-flung were the membership of your 501st? As of year 2000, we were already at 150 members in at least seven countries. And now it's 5,100. That's right. It's well over 5,000 active members, uh, well over 8,000 registered members. That's correct. And we started by talking about the tragedy in your life of, of losing your leg. Right. Has it in a way helped you to overcome the sort of psychological blow that that was? I'd have to say so. I mean, not only does the armor afford someone the ability to be something different, and I think role play, it helps with someone wearing different skin. Uh, when people see the leg uh, in the Stormtrooper guise, it doesn't take away from it. It adds to it. It has allowed me to really embrace my handicap and to do great things with it in spite of it. Albin Johnson, and you can see pictures of Albin and his colleagues in costume on our Facebook page. But that's all from today's programme. I'm Matthew Bannister. I'll be back at the same time tomorrow with another edition of Outlook. Do join me then. Speaking of 501st members on the air, Legion Commanding Officer Chris, RC6247, and myself, Nikki, DZ8397, were interviewed by the Tour Syndicate, which is a podcast for the Old Republic community. They were really nice to have us on their show, and I hope we can return the favor soon and have them on our show. So we'll have a link to the episode in our show notes so you can go listen and check it out. The 501st Legion Spec Ops Detachment has two activities going on that they'd like us to mention for them. 
First is for 501st and Rebel Legion members only. They're hosting a free raffle, which is for a $1,400 prize pack that includes a full Shadow Stormtrooper armor kit with helmet. Legion members can check out the details on how to enter by visiting the 501st Care section of the main Legion forums. The early bird drawing for this will be on July 4th, with the grand prize drawing being set, is set for September 1st. Secondly, they're also hosting a charity drive to benefit Shriners Children's Hospital. This great organization helps children and families throughout North America. This is open to anyone, and we'll have a link right to the Shriners site where you can donate. They've set a goal of $7,000, and as of this recording, have received 75 donations totaling $1,100. Thanks to Matt, TX5575, for the heads up about these activities. For those who haven't managed to catch the Star Wars Where Science Meets Imagination exhibit, it just opened June 18th at the Health Museum in Houston, Texas, and will remain there until September 18th. We'll have a link in our show notes to where you can find out more information. So we know this uh, video is sort of old, but we're going to talk about it anyways. It made the rounds probably on Facebook a long time ago, but we thought we'd share some behind-the-scenes details that we have about this. It's Corey Vidal's Droid Auditions video. And there's a sand trooper that appears at the end of the video that was actually portrayed by a Canadian garrison member, Rob, TD3165. So we wanted to make sure to give him a shout-out, and also a shout-out to Cam McCracken, who is the owner of the droid that was featured in this droid audition. So shout-outs to those guys who got to participate in that viral video, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes just in case you happen to miss it, or you can also Google droid auditions on YouTube. Speaking of 501st cameos and short video clips, if you happen to catch the Clone Wars promo video that was made featured in a Q&A webcam session with Chewbacca, you may have noticed the Captain Rex that made a couple brief appearances in it. That Rex was provided by Golden Gate Garrison member John, CC2948. We'll have a link to both this video and the droid auditions in our show notes. And for those of you who follow Dark Horse Comics' Crimson Empire series... You might be interested in to hear a little more about the model that was used for the Imperial Guard painted by Dave Dorman for the cover of Crimson Empire 3, Issue 1. It was none other than Thomas Spanos, SL1876. While Thomas' handcrafted Imperial Knight armor is different from the Crimson Empire Imperial Guard, it bears enough similarities for Dave to be able to use it as reference for his paintings. We'll have a link to the story in his own words that he posted on the Dented Helmet in our show notes at www.501st.com slash podcast. Thanks to Dean, TK899, for the heads up about that. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson, founder of the Fighting 501st Legion, and you're listening to the 501st cast. Vader's Fist! Mission reports. After two months of preparation, Portuguese Lusitanian Outpost, along with some members from Spanish Garrison, attended a mini-convention to present honorary memberships to four individuals. The first was Afonso Couto. Many of you will recognize this young Star Wars fan's name from previous podcast. He was posthumously inducted as a friend of the Legion. His father, Andre Couto, was inducted as an honorary member of Portuguese Lusitanian Outpost for all the help he gave in spreading the word amongst his fellow race car drivers worldwide about the 501st Legion's good work. Next, they inducted Tom Kane as an honorary member of the Portuguese Lusitanian Outpost for all the contributions he made to make Afonso's last living days the most happy ones of his life. And finally, Quimbe, a new member of the 501st Legion and the Outpost, was inducted as an honorary member of the 501st Legion for his contributions to the Star Wars saga. 
This event managed to gather support from the most prestigious Portuguese daily newspaper, who gave the outpost full access to their media lab facilities to receive all of the guests and children, and also allocated their own movie auditorium for this event, in which the journalists and newspaper directors and coordinators had all given their own free time to benefit the event. And with Lucasfilm's permission, they were actually able to arrange for Tom Kane to come out to Portugal at a time that would coincide his work schedule with Quimbe's work schedule and with Andre Kudo's uh, racing schedule. They were able to work that all out, and it even managed to coincide with Afonso's sister, um, Katerina's third birthday as well. So they had a, a great party all in one day. There were sort of three parts to this event. The main event was in the auditorium. The dinner celebration, which comprised of a dinner for 501st Legion members and families, where they were actually allowed to play two episodes of The Clone Wars before they aired on TV. And um, the restaurant was decorated with Star Wars lights and a 501st Legion banner, and the menu was filled with Star Wars cocktails. Then last but not least was the after party, where all the inductees were taken off to party until about 4.30 in the morning in the best nightclub in Lisbon with the private area fully reserved just for them. But the most exceptional part of this event was a one-of-a-kind letter sent by George Lucas himself to honor Afonso Cuto and the 501st Legion, and it was read by Tom Kane. And it was a very emotional moment for him and for everyone present while they tried to contain their tears as he read the letter. So we'll have a link to a full album of pictures from this event in our show notes, and thanks to Walter TK3738 for that report. The Empire dispatched a small team of troopers, General Grievous and R3S6 Goldie, the astromech, to the sporting fields of a high school in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to supply security for the athletic event of the season. The Special Olympics regional event has been known in the past to get a little crazy at times, so it made sense for the authorities to call in the no-nonsense troopers of the 501st Legion. The event went off without a hitch, most likely because of the Imperial presence, which was felt by the 400-plus athletes and their families. The troopers were focused and never once strayed from their duties, even when the athletes attempted to occupy them with hugs, high fives, and fist bumps. We'll have a link to photos in our show notes, and thanks to Greg TD4737 for that report. On April 2nd, Austrian outpost joined by the Rebel Legion had its first troop helping the Make-A-Wish Foundation fulfill a wish. Having collected approximately 1,000 euros, or 1,400 U.S. dollars, Last year for the Make-A-Wish at the Vienna Gaming Fair, the outpost was contacted to see if they could help a 15-year-old boy suffering from leukemia with his wish of getting a Lego Death Star set. The MAW contact first went into the boy's room and told him that he had a surprise. Jedi Okami Dai ignited his lightsaber and the boy immediately recognized the sound, but it was completely amazed when a fully dressed stormtrooper and a Jedi walked into his room presenting the big Lego set. They talked a little and took some photos before presenting the young patient with a cadet of the Imperial Fleet Navy and honorary stormtrooper certificates. He also received an Imperial officer's hat, some 501st and Austrian outpost patches, plus some stickers. Organization by MAW was perfect. The station and staff at the hospital was very friendly and welcoming. Due to requests by the family and in respect to the privacy of the patient, we were asked not to publish photos of him. We'll have a link to a report on Make-A-Wish's website about this, even in our show notes. Thanks to Hans, TK3042, for that report. For the ninth year in a row, Florida Garrison appeared at Megacon in Orlando, Florida, and with the largest booth to date. Megacon is the Southeast's largest comic book 
science fiction slash fantasy anime gaming toy multimedia event. Many elements from C5 return, such as the Mos Eisley set and its inhabitants, the cadre of bounty hunters, a massive helmet display, several costume mannequins, and the blaster wall. Legion members manned the booth during the three-day con, answering questions, doling out swag, and posing for pictures. The Shoot the Trooper event also made its Megacon debut this year. The range allowed congoers to shoot painted Nerf guns at troopers for a donation to the Japanese tsunami relief effort. Suggested donations were a dollar or more to shoot the six-shot revolver and five dollars or more to shoot the 50-round belt-fed automatic. Targets included stormtroopers, biker scouts, snowtroopers, Tuscan raiders, TIE pilots, and the Wampa. And the Wampa definitely stole the show, standing over eight feet tall, blocking darts with his hands and turning to shake his rear at each shooter. In the end, the three-day total came to $1,100. Thanks to Timothy, TB7079, for that report. WonderCon 2011 in San Francisco was a history-making event this past April. The show sold out and was packed every day. Folks that have attended in the past noted that Friday was never that busy. Saturday felt like San Diego Comic-Con, and Sunday's crowds used to be the size of Saturday in prior years. Golden Gate Garrison thanks all of the 501st and Rebel Legion members that traveled from all over the country to attend this year's show. Based on the advance payments for the Legion dinner, the following garrisons were in attendance. Golden Gate, Central California, Georgia, New England, Mountain, Neon City, Old Line, Dune Sea, Midwest, Central, and Southern California. Friday, the 501st was in force between the booth and the convention floor, troopers outside for line duty, and Central California garrison's C-6 Phase 2 clones patrolling the convention floor. The 501st Legion, Rebel Legion, and R2 builders hosted a Thank You Steve Sam sweet dinner on Friday, April 1st, his official last day at LFL during WonderCon. Amazingly, they were able to surprise Steve, who was both shocked and humbled that our groups hosted a dinner in his honor. Throughout the course of the evening, members presented Steve with as many unique items as thanks for everything he has done for our groups, including but not limited to the notification that Steve was now an official member of the 501st Legion as TK6590. Members of the Golden Gate Garrison also coordinated a fundraiser at WonderCon 2011 for the Japan Earthquake and Tsunami Relief Fund. A donation bucket was placed at the 501st Legion booth throughout Friday at the convention. Plus, that evening at the 501st Rebel Legion dinner, a fundraiser raffle was held. Some of the more notable prizes included artwork from Tom Hodges, artwork from Dave Filoni, Comic-Con passes, a tour of Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi-Wan for 10 guests, and Bonnie Burton's Star Wars craft book. With generous support and donations from Lucasfilm, Comic-Con, honorary members, and Legion members, Golden Gate Garrison raised over $2,801 in that one day. On Thursday, April 7, 2011, members of the Golden Gate Garrison had the opportunity to visit the Silicon Valley chapter of the American Red Cross in San Jose, California. They met the American Red Cross representative who introduced them to the CEO and director of public support for the San Jose chapter. After introductions, Darth Vader, Brian, SL2865, presented the symbolic donation check the American Red Cross in the amount of $2,801. We'll have links to photos from this con in our show notes, and thanks to Ed, TK4878, for that report. Canadian Garrison had a huge booth and blaster range set up at this year's Wizard World in Toronto. Some of the Star Wars guests were David Prowse, Billy D. Williams, Peter Mayhew, Jeremy Bullock, Daniel Logan, and Jake Lloyd. In our show notes, we'll have a link to an awesome news video that was done at the con. Now, although this next mission report was from way back at the end of March, it was still an exciting event for the 501st that we wanted to share with you. 
Southern California Garrison had the honor of being on hand for the grand opening of the Star Wars Miniland in Legoland in Carlsbad, California. They had a 5 a.m. call time and had to rush to get suited up to start the early morning TV spots. Between then and 9 a.m., they ended up being on six different stations in one day, as well as at least four different radio spots. We'll have links to some of that footage in our show notes. Then right at 9.15 a.m., they all had to line up and take their places for the grand opening. Rebel Legion's Sunrider bassist Sean Crosby was the lead MC for the event, doing the announcements and running the ceremony. After a quick intro from Sean and then from Peter from Legoland, the special guest, which was Make-A-Wish child Carson Weiner, was brought forward. Part of Carson's wish was to meet the real Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Miss Fisher took a few moments to give Carson a very tender hug that brought tears to many eyes. And on behalf of Make-A-Wish, Carson accepted a $5,000 donation from Legoland. Next, they played the soundtrack that introduced each cluster of Lego models. As each planet was named, the characters blocking the public's view of it broke off and moved to the side of the display. Each announcement was complete with pyrotechnics. And at the end of all seven reveals, Carson cut the ribbon with a lightsaber, with Sean to guide him. And the display was open to the public. For the rest of the day, Legion members got to mingle with the crowds, from Miniland all the way up to the opening gates of the, uh, the main park gates. Some of the members were pulled aside to do interviews with people like Carrie Fisher and Christian Slater. There were many stars and celebrities there, including James Arnold Taylor and Catherine Tabor. Legoland took great care of all of our volunteers by providing hotel rooms for those who had to drive long distance, a catered breakfast, and a catered lunch from Panera, along with renting a huge tent and roping off an entire picnic area that was normally to be used for the public. They also provided two free park tickets to each person who was trooping. Troopers stayed in the park until 7 p.m., just a mere 14 hours after they arrived, before calling it a day and heading home, exhausted but very happy. So we'll have links to a slew of pictures in our show notes, as well as a behind-the-scenes blog. So thanks to Leslie, TR3774, for that report. Together, Southern California Garrison and Rebel Legion Sunrider Base raised $1,064 for Make-A-Wish when hosting a Shoot the Trooper booth at Wizard World Anaheim. Way to go! They're estimating that roughly 3,500 darts were shot at their troopers over the course of the three days of the con. We'll have a link to photos from the weekend in our show notes. Four members of Turkish Outpost attended a charity event at Kadir Has University in Istanbul. The event was organized for the benefit of the Disabled Children Foundation. Outpost members gave away gifts to 80 children who had different types of disabilities. Due to those disabilities, they decided to greet the children without their costumes first, only their helmets, in order to familiarize them so that they wouldn't be afraid. The children and parents loved the visit, and the troopers found it very emotional to see a little child hardly walking come over and ask if he could touch the characters. In turn, Outpost members could really feel in their hearts what the 501st was all about. We'll have a link to some fantastic photos from this event in our show notes. Thanks to Addis SL3983 for that report. So that's kind of amusing that their first walkthrough, they're, they're with just the helmets. They're asking the children, so, so which one do you like? And every single kid, it seemed, answered the black one. So when they were asked, which one do you want to wear? The kids answered the white one. <laughs> <laughs> See, they already know which one is, you know, easier to wear. Darth Vader yeah. versus Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't exactly call any of them easy to wear, but, <laughs> but there's definitely that allure of, hmm, I think that that giant leather sweatsuit looks like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and at least I've seen some Vaders that get sort of like screwed into their helmet. 
and they need help getting back out, whereas most stormtroopers can just, you know, take it on and off, so. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, that was kind of funny that they all liked Darth Vader, but they didn't want to be Darth Vader. <laughs> well, they've probably seen the movies and figured that in order to get into the costume, the first step is to have your, your limbs dripped in, <laughs> dipped into uh, boiling lava. And, yeah, not yeah. not many of us would want to endure that just for a costume. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the UK garrison. During the first weekend in May, troopers in the United Kingdom garrison had the honor of trooping at the National Space Center. It was their biggest NSC event yet with a record number of costumers trooping, and they raised over 2,500 pounds, which is more than 4,000 U.S. dollars for charity. The troopers were out in force, keeping the public in order, and during the weekend, several volunteers helped organize lots of extra activities, including a presentation on the 501st Legion, a creation of Darth Maul workshop, a droid hunt, Clone Academy, a Jedi school, and a build a TK in a day room where the public could come and witness the entire building process of a TK suit from the start of trimming the plastic to the finish and fit. And hopefully watching that whole process will get them involved in the 501st Legion, especially seeing as the suit itself that they were working on was up for grabs as part of a raffle. So Legion members also had the pleasure of welcoming some of the stars of the films. Kenny Baker, Ian Liston, Rusty Goff, Silas Carson, and Jeremy Bullock were all signing autographs that weekend. But the best part of the weekend was to come as a surprise to some of the members, though. On Sunday, they had a Boba Fett costumer who was trooping, and he really seemed to have nailed the character in it and really looked the part, and there just seemed to be something different about him. And you know what? It was because it was none other than BH5211, Jeremy Bullock himself. So UKG was very honored to have Jeremy Bullock trooping in his ESP Boba Fett costume during Sunday morning. And he also posed for plenty of pictures with the public, some not knowing that they stood next to the real Boba Fett. Jeremy was great and really seemed to enjoy himself. So we'll have a link to a huge album of pictures from the weekend in our show notes. Thanks to Simon, TS7725, for that report. Good to see that Jeremy's taking care of that one troop a year requirement to stay active. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. On Saturday, April 30th and Sunday, May 1st, members of the 501st's New England Garrison and Rebel Legion's Alderaan base banded together at once again at the 2011 Boston Comic-Con at the Heinz Convention Center. Their booth display included handouts for convention goers, a photo frame of the garrison's past events, a shelf display of many of the garrison's personal props, and a specially constructed Nerf blaster range where attendees could make a donation to the American Cancer Society's Relay for Life for an opportunity to shoot a trooper. Thanks to the hard work of the New England garrison and Alderaan base members working with the crowds as gunnery sergeants or as armored living targets willing to be pelted by hundreds of Nerf darts, they were able to raise over $1,200 for the American Cancer Society Society in support of an upcoming Relay for Life team. Well, well done, troopers. So has have you guys had the luxury of doing one of these um, shoot-a-trooper events yet? No. I was, just, I was just thinking there's quite the theme going on here in this uh, podcast where like almost every event is having a shoot-a-trooper. But... The, the last three events that I've read, I'm noticing <laughs> this trend. Yeah. I've done the last three, yes, we shot a trooper events, and we're seeing... Twelve hundred dollars, one thousand dollars, and thousands of dollars being raised for the opportunity to to shoot at these troopers. Now, I was at this this uh, Boston Comic Con event, and it was just fantastic. The response that we get to these kinds of events. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're having a shoot a trooper at our uh, Garrison Excelsior's baseball game this weekend. 
uh, every year at Fan Expo in Toronto, the convention, the Canadian Garrison hosts a blaster range. So it's definitely a, a popular event with the, um, the patrons that are coming up to our booth. And it's also really apparently beneficial for the charities that we support, too. Definitely. I mean, it's easy to put together a, a simple range, too. I mean, ours cost probably less than uh, less than $60 from the garrison to put together because it's PVC pipe and a, a black curtain and a banner. So if you've got Nerf, Nerf weapons on hand, because I, yeah, I, I can't think of why grown people dressing in Star Wars costumes would possibly have Nerf darts and, and guns laying around the house. But if you've got those <laughs> and are willing to bring them to an event, I mean, thousands of dollars for American Cancer Society, Make-A-Wish, Jimmy Fund, that seems like a great cause to me. Yep. During the first weekend of June, the German garrison was honored to host the only official Lucasfilm event in Germany for the year in Legoland Gunsberg. 262 members of Swiss garrison, Belgian garrison, Famwars garrison, Italica garrison, Polish garrison, Dutch garrison, Austrian garrison, Terra Australis garrison, and German garrison, of course, came together to celebrate the Legoland Star Wars weekend. Just in case you didn't catch that number... 262 Legion members at one event. That's awesome. The Legoland event has grown in the past few years, and every year they try to top the last event. Thanks to the Belgian garrison, the first thing the visitors saw in the park was a huge ATAT prop. They also brought their speeder bike, and the official autograph session took place in the Outrider set that many fans saw at C5. It has become kind of a tradition for the Legoland event to welcome a special guest. After Jeremy Bullock and Matt Wood, German Garrison were very happy to welcome Daniel Logan to Legoland. Daniel spent the whole weekend with the 501st in the park and at the restaurant in the evening. He did several signing sessions and meet and greets and was an all-around fun person to hang out with. More than 2,000 autographs were written on cards provided by Legoland. He has become as close to a true 501st Legion member as someone without a registered costume can be. A big hit among the kids was face painting. Thanks to all the ladies of the 501st Legion who volunteered to create all the little Ahsokas, Padmes, Bobas, Jangos, and clones. The kids looked adorable and were very happy with their new looks. The 501st started each day by sending a small advance party to Legoland's own holiday village. They gave a wake-up call to the guests and make sure that they all came to the park in time. After all, it would have been tragic if they had missed the big entrance of the 501st Legion. The idea to combine our fun with a charitable cause for others is not new to the 501st. Legoland supports its own charity called Merlin's Magic Wand. By doing photo shoots for charity in the Outrider set and at a photo backdrop provided by our friends at SWFN, and asking people for a little donation while waiting in the autograph line, they collected quite a sum, 1,540 euros or... 2200 U.S. dollars, to be exact. It's estimated that there were about 52,300 people in the park between Thursday to Sunday. So reason enough for Legoland to invite us back next year. Thanks to Chef TB8010 for that report. And that event is definitely one on my bucket list. If I ever make it over to Europe, I want to time it (laughs) with this Legoland event in Germany and make sure I can make that. So, Mount Garrison recently attended the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation's annual gala in Colorado Springs, where $462,000 was raised. And if you add to that the almost $600,000 raised the week before at an event in Denver, then the JDRF would have raised over $1 million for diabetes research this month alone. 
and the 501st Legion was there to support both events, helping to raise over $5,500 for JDRF by donating a Star Wars-themed party and a Stormtrooper helmet. Actually, a total of three were sold. This is Mount Garrison's second year supporting these galas, and the grand total over the past two years has been over $10,000 that the 501st has directly helped raise. So way to go, Mount Garrison. Thanks to Scott, TS4149, for that report. Another Star Wars weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios is in the history books. Some noteworthy items from this year include the opening of the reimagined Star Wars 2.0, in which George Lucas and, of course, the 501st Legion helped kick off. Then there was a very unassuming Imperial crewman that marched in the Sunday parade of the first weekend. None other than Steve Sansweet, TK6590. Steve really was a great trooper in every sense of the word, hanging out with his fellow 501st members in what they dubbed Tent City to suit up and desuit with everyone else. He received help from his fellow Legion members when he needed his boots altered to ease his walking. He was even lent a pair of socks with which Ricky BH3384 hasn't seen back yet. I'm not sure if he really wants them now, but he was coined at least five times. We'll have a link to a picture of Steve suiting up in Tent City. Don't worry, it's safe for work, and it'll be in our show notes. Overall, there was about 150 troopers on the first Friday and the first Saturday of Star Wars weekends. On Saturday, they stopped the marchers for a photo shoot opening ceremony, which they don't normally do. Unfortunately, being stuck out in the 100-degree heat sent eight members to the ambulance to be attended for heat exhaustion. That day has now been dubbed the Death March of 2011. But don't let that scare you off. Marching in Star Wars weekends is always a career highlight for every trooper and something you should try to make at least once. Thanks to Legion Webmaster Ricky BH3384 for that report. Alpine Garrison is spearheading an effort to get as many 501st Legion members as possible marching in Provo, Utah's Freedom Festival Parade on the 4th of July. In addition to the Grand Parade, which is expected to garner at least 300,000 attendees alone, there will also be several hot air balloon launches, which the infamous Darth Vader balloon will be a part of. Alpine will also be having a booth in the street fair where they'll be helping to raise money for the Wounded Warrior Project. So if you'd like to march with Alpine, head on over to their forums and sign up. The second-ever Trooper Fest is taking place November 11th through 13th in Dearborn, Michigan. The first Trooper Fest took place in Las Vegas in 2009 and was essentially a mini-convention run by and produced for members of the 501st Legion. We had several special guests who attended and hope to have some honorary members come this year as well. So if you're a Legion member, please head over to the main Legion forums and check out the forums section called Trooper Fest 2011. There's lots of fun activities being planned, and I'm sure tons of swag trading will be going on. And it's just a great opportunity to hang out with your fellow Legion members and not have to worry about missing anything else that's going on at the con while you're hanging out. Because this con is just all 501st all the time. And speaking of cons dominated by the 501st Legion, unless you've been as AWOL as the 501st cast has been for the last couple of months, you should know by now that Star Wars Celebration 6 has been announced for August 23rd through the 26th of 2012, and it will once again be at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida. Plans are well in motion for a huge turnout from the 501st Legion. In fact, we've almost filled our host hotel already. 
So are you guys thinking of heading down for C6? I'm booked. <laughs> I'm not booked yet, but I'm definitely going. Uh, yeah, we're still debating. It was because we want, if we're going to drive all the way down there, which we kind of have to do with all of the luggage that we're bringing, then we really want to also be able to spend time at um, Disney World and Universal Studios. And at least last time walking around in that heat outside was was pretty brutal. So we're kind of debating on, on what we want to do this time. Well, that's the beauty of, of our host hotel this time. It has the walkway that's going right from the hotel right into the convention center. So unless you really, really want to go outside, you won't have to if you, you book at the 501st host hotel. Right. So we'll be you know totally cool for the being at Celebration 6. But then if we want to do anything else in Florida, it's not really the best time to be walking around outside at right. Disney World and stuff like that. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm surprised that they did it actually as soon as they did because I figured, like a lot of other people, that we were going to be um, having C6 as the 30th anniversary celebration of Return of the Jedi. But yeah. they pushed it up a year celebrating, what is it, Phantom Menace? <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people going, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the opportunity for Lucasfilm to make some more money. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think uh, – oh, no, never mind. I was going to say, um, I know with the 3D films, it's also the 10th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, but the 3D version of Attack of the Clones comes out eight months later, something like that. If they even do that at all. Right. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else saw that news report about how uh, – I believe it was McCallum said that everything hinges on the performance of uh, Phantom Menace in 3D as to whether or not we're going to see the rest of the the saga in 3D. Hmm, lovely. Yeah, ain't it just? <laughs> everything hinges on Jar Jar. We're doomed. <laughs> we're doomed. Well, we have two shout-outs we'd like to make this episode. We'd like to give a shout-out and congratulations to Baron Eagle Eye for completing his 100th mission as a TIE pilot for the Jolly Roger Squadron, the 501st TIE Fighter Pilot Detachment. David, TI-6294, from the Star Garrison, is only the second TIE pilot to earn this rank, the first being Baron Aztec, a.k.a. Tom, TI-9767, from Garrison Excelsior. Also belated congratulations to Gordon, RC-5306, and Heather, TB-4191, from New England Garrison, on their April 9th wedding. Members of the Garrison and Rebel Base who are attending the wedding were asked to bring their costume with them to help make the reception something special for the bride and groom. The newly married couple wanted to share their love of Star Wars and costuming, so 15 costume members were asked to escort the bridal party into the reception. Jedis kept the parents of the bride and groom safe. Imperials were on hand to keep the ushers, bridesmaids, and groomsmen in line. Darth Vader, with two of his best stormtroopers, were present to help introduce the bride and groom. The presence of the Rebels and Imperials helped kick off the reception and make the night a memorable one for everyone involved. To thank all those who helped out, a $500 donation was made in the name of Alderaan Base and the New England Garrison to the Aleppo Shriners Hospital Transportation Fund. So next we're going to do our uh, normally our trivia, but this time we're just going to do a, a plain giveaway. Since it's been three months since our last full episode of the 501st Cast, we're just going to make it real simple and just give away a 501st Cast patch to three lucky listeners. So what you have to do to win is post a comment in our episode 65 show notes with your favorite part of this episode. Just simple. 
write down what you liked best about this episode. And then we're going to randomly select three people from those that post to be our winners. And if you've won a patch from us in the past, let someone else take a shot at it this time. So thanks. Your anniversaries and honorary member birthdays. So... We're actually so far behind on birthday wishes that we're going to uh, skip it for this episode. But if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you're going to see the birthday wishes go out to all of our honorary members, or at least those that we know, their birthdays. So happy birthday to those of you we've missed. Ditto on the unit anniversaries. Uh, We're quite a bit behind on that as well. We're going to catch everyone up to speed from April through June, and then after we're done, we're going to ask for your feedback. Here are the unit anniversaries for April. Outpost 42 Garrison. The 7th anniversary in April. Mid-South Garrison. Their 4th anniversary, April 3rd. Star Garrison's West Texas Squad. It was their 2nd anniversary on April 6th. Turkish Outpost. Celebrating their 3rd anniversary, April 10th. Italica Garrison's 3T Squad, 77th Alpi Squad, Praetorian Squad, and Sub-Zero Squad. They all turned 3 on April 21st. Capital City Garrison. Their first anniversary, April 25th. And United Kingdom Garrison's Imperial Scottish Squad. It was their first anniversary on April 28th. And here are May's anniversaries, starting with Empire City Garrison and Southern California Garrison. Both turning 12 this month. Japanese Garrison. It was their 11th anniversary in May. Imperial Officers Corps Detachment. Celebrating their 8th anniversary. Alabama Garrison. Fourth anniversary on May 6th. Central Garrison's Imperial 80th Squad. It's their fifth anniversary, May 8th. Taiwan Formosa Outpost. Fifth anniversary on May 14th. Garrison Excelsior. Celebrating five years, May 15th. Mexican Garrison. Also their fifth anniversary on May 15th. Chinese Outpost. It's their second anniversary, May 15th. Terra Australis Garrison's Nightfall Squad. Second anniversary on May 15th. That must have been a busy day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Badland Garrison's Outer Rim Squad. Their fifth anniversary, May 22nd. And here are the unit anniversaries for June, starting with Spanish Garrison. A seventh anniversary in June. Cloud City Garrison. Their fifth anniversary, June 1st. Mid-South Garrison's Mas Nuga Squad. Second anniversary on June 1st. Special Operations Detachment. Sixth anniversary, June 2nd. Outpost Venezuela. Their third anniversary on June 5th. Portuguese Lusitanian Outposts. Celebrating their fourth anniversary, June 12th. Bloodfin Garrison. Their ninth anniversary on June 15th. Garrison Tiranus. Nine years for them, June 22nd. And Hong Kong Shadow Outpost. Their fifth anniversary on June 22nd. So here's where we need your feedback. Should we continue to read off honorary members' birthdays and unit anniversaries or just post them to Facebook and Twitter? Let us know by posting either a comment in the show notes for this episode or by posting on our Facebook fan page, www.facebook.com slash the501stcast. So, as always, our official home on the web is 501st.com slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and enter our giveaway, as well as listen to previous episodes of the show. Now, the 501st cast is sort of an easy way to catch up on a few well, months of Legion news while driving or at the office or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you obviously can't get it from us. You need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. So just look us up on Facebook as the 501st Legion or Facebook.com slash the 501st Legion. And you can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion or Twitter.com slash 501st Legion. So join in on the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. Thanks, everyone. See ya. See you later.
The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2011, Lucasfilm Limited, and trademark, all rights reserved, used under authorization.